Welcome back to Nostalgia Pod, your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. My name is Pat Sheehan. I'm here with my co-host Dave Martinson. Dave, happy March, dude. Yo, dog, that madness, it's here. I was filling out my Kanye bracket, which we're going to be talking about in a second, and my, my real bracket, and I was like, ah, we did the uh, Marvel superhero bracket two years ago. That was mm-hmm. a fun one. That's right. I forgot about that. But before we jump in, just want to say thank you to everybody that supported the podcast. Uh, please subscribe, download on iTunes or, or wherever else you enjoy your podcast. Leave us a rating and review on iTunes if possible. Any feedback is helpful. And follow the show in the at Nostalgia Pod. So yeah, last night, dude, K. Harrington tweeted out how he had made this bracket called the Kanye Madness Bracket. And he took 64 Kanye songs seeded them put them into regions and then said all right twitter vote on this i know that you downloaded the bracket you <laughs> tweeted out your picks what did you find with this bracket like what was your first reaction to it shout out uh, what's this guy's yeah, name K. again harrington is his, is his twitter handle C. i think his name is chris so shout out i mean this was definitely a, a lot of effort he obviously like he color coded the bracket with the album cover color codes there's the he was it the donda region they all have different region names he made a twitter moment so he definitely put a lot of work into this and just so to that. stop you real quick i said said it wrong it's at c dot harrison his first name is carrington so it's carrington harrison c dot harrison on Twitter. got it shout out c dot i think more or less he got the best 64 song more or less i don't think the new workout plan is a top 64 song personally i know some people like that but more or less you got the right mix here you know i, I agree with you i don't think the new workout plan is one of his best 64 songs but it was a single so i guess i can understand that just to kind of give you my reaction to it i thought that this was a great idea i also knew immediately my first mm-hmm. reaction was going to be i'm not going to agree with most of the seating and i was correct i fucking hate the seating on this but of course because yes. it's, it's kind of based off of people's yep. personal opinion on a lot of these songs i think the thing i noticed filling out my bracket was i leaned very heavily towards two or three albums in particular graduation college dropout and beautiful dark twisted fantasy with think right. the breakdown went six dark twisted fantasy songs in my sweet 16 i thought you had what three of your final four or something like that were two of my final That's four four of my elite eight are dark twisted fantasy songs but yeah i mean to your point about the seating really some tough first round matchups flashing lights as a three versus famous as a 14 i thought that was a little unfair blood on the leaves is a 13 versus runaway that's tough yeah. luck loss for blood on the leaves diamonds from sierra leone versus dark fantasy first of all, i think diamonds sierra leone way, way too, high. too high as a four and dark fantasy one of my favorite kanye songs is definitely not a 13 if we're talking actually like you know critically obviously it's an intro song it's not like a super well-known it's not single or anything and then also uh, stronger is a four versus black skinhead is a 13 just because it's a Yeezus song, it should not be a 13. And also, Gold Digger versus Gotta Have It. I'm a big Gotta Have It fan. But... Yeah, actually, probably my biggest I don't know, Cinderella of this tournament in my bracket was Celebration, which was 14 seed. And I actually had it beat Good Life and then Roses. I had Roses over Blame Game as well. Also, fuck yeah, Blame Game. No, Why I, is that I don't know. So and high? also, something like, I know you talked about <laughs> Flashing Lights and Famous. Like, I feel like Famous very easily could have been switched with Blame Game or even Roses or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. It would have had a much more representative uh, picture of Kanye's actual work, but did any song surprise you how deep they made it into your tournament? Yeah, well, Dark Fantasy is in my final two, so... And it made it down to my Elite Eight and then lost to Paris. I have it beating Gorgeous, and then I have it beating Jesus Walk. Oof. But then I have Can't Tell Me Nothing as the champ, because I think that's the best Kanye song. I had Runaway, and I think I'm a little biased on yep. that. Ba- Tough battle. Yeah, it's, I had uh, Power versus Runaway in my final two. Final four was Can't Tell Me Nothing, Runaway, Power, oh, wow. and Paris. Yeah, Runaway, after seeing it live at MSG on the Yeezus tour, I feel like it just sticks out in my mind. It's such like an emotional reaction because 
he like came out and just would press one key and like run away and the whole crowd like went crazy he did that for like at least three or four minutes and like every time like the anticipation built so i feel like i have a little bias towards that song but it is i think probably one of the most self-aware and best songs Kanye's actually made in terms of just like the meaning and composition of it sure i was also surprised at the watch the throne songs on here did pretty well for me otis and paris had pretty good runs on my bracket i feel like i don't give that album enough love gotta have it otis paris uh, no church in the wilds on here says murder excellence i saw bomani jones his comment on this was that the fact that Murder Excellence is a 16 says a lot about this guy's taste versus mine. <laughs> that was a funny comment. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that kind of speaks to Kanye. He has so much music out, so much acclaimed music that there's so much variety that you'll see so many different brackets tweeted from this. I mean, I saw Diamond Serial Leone winning. I saw Spaceship winning. Like You, you see everything. There's, that's what's great about his music. Through the Wire, a song I'm not super high on, but I know so many people absolutely adore mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of really good ones. If you want to follow along, again, his name is C. Harrison on Twitter, running Twitter polls for every matchup as they go along, so you can vote and try to get your favorite songs as far along as possible. Yeah, we have a lot of music we're going to talk about this week. This is probably the first really big week of music releases of the year. We're going to be talking Valet, Lil Yachty, Logic. Why don't we get this one out of the way first, though? David Byrne, Old Head. Dropping a, his first album, his first solo album in 14 years. He's done collaborations with, what, Fatboy Slim and St. Vincent and Brian Eno in the last couple of years. Obviously, for those who don't know, he is the lead singer of the band Talking Heads, who rose to fame in the 80s and early 90s. Very influential rock band, dancey rock band at that. I'm interested to hear what you thought about this album, because it's quite the project for him. <laughs> As an album that wasn't like, you know, waiting for anything. I did find it a uh, enjoyable listen just because he had like positive and upbeat lyrics. Mm-hmm. You know, I, he said some weird stuff, but it was all like positive message. It wasn't the, oh, I'm sad my girlfriend left me rock trope that I'm so tired of, you know? Mm-hmm. I was actually like mildly surprised with how uh, entertained I was. I mean, if you've ever listened to any of the Talking Heads, they are a very unique sounding band and take a lot of risks and are very inventive in their sound or were inventive in their sound. And he definitely takes a lot of risks on this album i mean ranging from caribbean dance music to pretty classic 80s rock and electronic music on this album and yeah it's, it's very upbeat obviously with a name like utopia it's his like take on the political atmosphere trying to almost attack it from like a kill him with positivity perspective any songs on here that mm-hmm. you left being like, ah, that's a really good song. I really enjoyed that. I, I wasn't really paying attention to the song titles. I remember there was that one line where he's like, the Pope doesn't matter to a dog or something. <laughs> yeah. And it's thinking about elephants right afterwards. And I was like, all right, man, I get what you're going for here. <laughs> well, the, the funny thing is the next song on the album is, is literally called Dog's Mind. And he writes it kind of about like oh, right, limitations yes. of a dog's perspective. <laughs> I, I don't know. Some of the lyrics were pretty stupid. And I think some of the break downs were mm-hmm. also just like not up to date with the modern times but a song like everybody's coming to my house like sticks with me it's kind of like frantic and, and pulsing but also very classic like talking head sound and every day is a miracle also that's like the one that took like the island sound into it and it's very just like positive mm-hmm. and upbeat so i didn't hate those otherwise pretty forgettable one thing if you are going to a festival this summer check his show out he's saying that this is supposed to be the most inventive onstage performance he's done since uh, Stop Making Sense, which is a very famous documentary about Talking Heads. So give him a check out if you're at a music festival where he's headlining. I think he's at 
He's not at Governor's Ball, right? He's at. Don't recall. He's at a few though, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's definitely at a few. I know. He, I'm pretty sure he's doing Oceaga, which is releasing soon. So a few up north if you want to catch him. All right, I'm gonna let you choose Yachty, Logic, Valet. Which one was your favorite? <laughs> it's kind of a dumb comparison, but I guess Valet is probably my favorite. Wow. Good job, you found me. It's his debut EP for good music. He's had mixtapes that have been out the past two years, but it's like basically like it's like a sample platter for anyone finding him because it's his first project on streaming and i mean it's a six track ep it's like 15 minutes long Mm -hmm. so it's kind of tough to compare to yachty or logics which are definitely full-length mixtapes but yeah valet i mean he's a chicago rapper but he doesn't really sound like chicago we talk about the chicago sound a lot you Mm -hmm. know like vic mensa and chance and how they influence people like tokyo who we just reviewed soundcloud accomplice nostalgia pod but valet he doesn't sound like that he definitely sounds more atlanta but what I really liked about this EP, specifically on uh, previously released singles that were on it, Miami and Shell, then I got whatever as well, is that his like vocal cadence is a lot like Easy E to me, the way he just kind of goes about his raps, like mm. the pitter patter to it. And then he mixes that with a sound that's very like post jail Gucci main. So that's a, that's a very yeah. good compliment. So Easy E meets Gucci. And it's not like the lyrics are like anything crazy. It's just about consumerism, but just the way he goes about it. That one line where he's like, I got 20,000, went to Miami, went to Club Live, that shit came in handy. Like just the way he like goes about the bars, I think is great. And I'm really excited for him moving forward because Good Music has been a label that we've all, we've obviously liked. Obviously, Kanye really started yeah. it, but Pusha T's kind of been running it more or less the past few years since he became president. But they haven't done a great job of nurturing or creating young talent. I mean, they have Designer, mm-hmm. and we haven't heard a lot from Designer post-Panda. And Travis Scott, and though, Timmy is music, right? Yes, but only production. Very good gotcha. beats in print. So, like, all these Travis hit records aren't really good music songs, mm-hmm. you know? And obviously, we know good music peaked with Cruel Summer, you know, back when Big Show on Kanye, Common was still there, Pusha T was actually rapping. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that era's passed. You can't really expect that anymore. They're all kind of different stages of their careers, but maybe Valet could be the start of something new for them. Even if he isn't, I think he's definitely a unique a sound, unique rapper, and I think those three songs I mentioned are really fun, and like I said, I think the vocals are cool, Yeah, and I'm definitely eager for more music from him. Yeah, when I was listening to this, it was interesting, because the first thought I had after finishing was, I think he's going to be the type of artist who will create songs that stick with you but aren't necessarily memorable in years to come i think more than anything he creates this like vibe that's just like this is a like a a catchy chorus and it's just like a nice or i don't even know if a nice Mm -hmm. beat but just kind of like this is a good beat and then like someone like push a t comes on and they they kill it and you're like oh shit who is that by? And you go back and you're like, oh, Valet. And then you listen to more of his stuff and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. he's pretty good. But like, I think just the vibe he creates is something like if Big Sean like came out of nowhere and like dropped a verse that was just fire, I wouldn't be surprised because I'd be like, oh, Valet. Like he sets people up for this. He's kind of like the Chris Paul, I feel like, or could be like Chris Paul of the... Yeah, it's a good call. Good music team. Sure. Looking forward to seeing what this new exposure and new uh, opportunities that Good provides for him bring. Because I'm sure a lot of people will be paying attention and eager to work with him now. Definitely check that out. It's 15 minutes long. Easy to listen. Yeah, I appreciate his songs being short, too. I found this dude like a month ago. I think it was like a fader profile. And I didn't even know this EP was coming. But then he was like rumored to be with Good. Him and Pusha T had been meeting. Then he actually signed. And obviously this like sample platter uh, EP comes out. But he actually said that most of his songs are like two minutes and change because every time he was recording back in the day, he couldn't go more than two minutes before one of his boys would start talking or interrupting to get distracted. <laughs> so inadvertently, he creates music to the current lack of attention span for young people that listen to rap. 
you know Damn. so i thought that was kind of a fun, funny reasoning it's actually really interesting to think about if music is actually going to move more towards that all right so moving on from valet though what about your guy logic here because i thought you were going to pick logic as your favorite project of the weekend bobby tarantino too for what mm-hmm. this is formally a, a mixtape like it really matters but definitely a mixtape in terms of critical eye but all mixtapes these days are on soundcloud and usually also on streaming so mm-hmm. They get paid for them now, so mixtapes definitely mean something different than they used to. But yeah, it's a mixtape. This opens with a Rick and Morty back and forth, which, first mm-hmm. of all, just hilarious that he's using Rick and Morty on an, a Logic album to introduce the album. But they have a discussion about is this mixtape Logic or is this album Logic? And you you texted me saying, "Yo, I've had this discussion with so many people before. Br- break it down for us." Yeah, well, a lot of what I'm about to say about Bobby Tarantino too. Is relates to my general distaste for Logic's horde of fans he's acquired the past few years. And a lot of it is because they just, like, eat up. I mean, they're just normal stands, normal young fans. They eat up everything. But it's, like, mixtape Logic versus normal Logic. And it's, like, mixtape Logic since he got big. So these last two out, uh, mixtapes, Bobby Tarantino and this new one, too. Mm-hmm. Tarantino came out in 2016. Bobby Tarantino, too, came out last Friday, right? These are compilation of Logic songs that are not part of a concept album all his albums definitely have a focus whether they work or not they're all intended right these mixtapes they're just they're just throwaway songs much like little boat 2 which we'll get to bobby tarantino 2 it's i was like oh yeah i'm happy there's logic just making bangers and party music and my problem with mixtape logic is mixtape logic is just not as good as other non-lyrical rappers when logic isn't being lyrical it's just only okay Mm -hmm. like i don't need to listen to logic do his imitation of trap right I'll just listen to actual good trap, you know? <laughs> his last mixtape before his debut album, Young Sinatra, Welcome to Forever from 2013, he was actually like fucking spitting on that. And he's just changed a lot since then. It's kind of disappointing. But he's also got really famous and got a lot of money, so I, I'm not hating or anything. But yeah, the mixtape versus album logic thing is, it's a conversation I always have just because I try and gauge like what kind of logic fan you are, whether like how long, not the how long you've been a fan, but like how do you think about his music, yeah. you know? That skit I thought was actually a very self-aware uh, way to talk about it because it made me laugh. Yeah, I wrote um, in my notes that after I heard that skit, his Madden rating would have been a 99 on self-awareness because he obviously recognizes the conversation <laughs> around his work. I actually really enjoyed this, though. I mean, I can't remember exactly what my take was on the last Logic album, but I think I, I was very kind of like meh on it. This I left and it just felt like a lighter listen. Well-intentioned. Yeah. Exactly. And I enjoyed it more. Did you enjoy this more or being more of a, a logic stand than me? Were you kind of disappointed? Oh, no. So I think this is easily better than everybody. Everybody, which you can check our review. We broke it out on YouTube. SoundCloud Consoles Nostalgia Pod. Basically, our sum up was that it was well-intentioned, but doesn't really land. A lot of weird uh, skits with Ansel Elgort and Neil deGrasse Tyson. Ah, a lot right. of weird interlude stuff uh, like that. When he does stuff on that album that he does in this mixtape when he sings, it's bad. I think the song with Marshmallow, Every Day is fucking trash. <laughs> yeah, that, that shit was whack. When he makes other songs, I think Overnight's pretty good. I think, was it State of Emergency? I mean, 2 Chainz has been batting a 1,000 for like three years now, so that, that song is, is awesome. 44 More, definitely kind of like DNA, inspired by Kendrick, but I like that. I think that's a really solid song and, and good bars there. Mm-hmm. Boom Trap Protocol's pretty solid. Indica Badu is pretty solid. Yuck, he yeah. had some great Joyner Lucas diss bars there, mm-hmm. which was awesome because fuck Joyner Lucas. Yeah. Such a fucking crybaby about all of his logic hates. It's super off base. Because it's a mixtape, you just pick songs and you throw the other ones away. It's setting a lower bar for itself as a project, but at least it's meeting that bar. 
whereas everybody pales, you know, in comparison because it just was totally failing to meet said bar. I think it, I think it's solid for a mixtape. You know, I mean that, that that's what he's going out to do. He's not trying to make a crazy body of work or anything. But yeah, it's solid. Yeah, and I, I actually think the strongest thing about the whole album is just that the production and the beats are great on this, and that's a staple for Logic pretty much. Even his worst projects seem to have really good beats. But yeah, I think the songs that you picked out, especially like Yuck and State of Emergency, seem to be the two that stand out to me and overnight as well although the good person stuff is a little bit like where is this coming from but i mean that's neither here nor there i guess right and the other thing is like logic definitely has his fair share of haters i mean the whole biracial thing is a, is a meme that's been killed to death mm-hmm. but if, if you really want to actually critique logic correctly what you would bring up is that he often bites flows and doesn't really have his own and we mentioned in the review last year but this has been a conjoint thing He's definitely influenced by Drake, Kendrick, and J. Cole. That's nothing new. But on Wizard of Oz, on Bobby Tarantino 2, about 15 seconds into the song, he does a straight Travis Scott ripoff, even to the yeah, yeah ad lib uh, with the moody atmospheric trap beat. I mean, he's just fucking totally ripping off Goosebumps. And it's like, Logic, you're really talented. Stop fucking doing this. Right. Because you can't get away with it, nor do you need to do it in the first place. All of his dumb fans, the fans I don't like, are like, oh, I didn't know logic couldn't use auto-tune it's like it's not that he used auto-tune it's not that he made trap it's that he literally copycatted travis scott to the fucking ad lib it's different it's just disappointing that he does that because he doesn't need to do that i know he talks about like the biracial stuff and just kind of like his background on his last album but i think in some respect probably what he's dealing with personally it comes out in his work that he's still finding his identity and kind of like what it means to be him and you know i think he's getting there slowly the more and more Mm -hmm. he he does stuff and explores he'll he'll find his lane i'm not too worried about logic somewhat i'm a little bit put off by though is your your guy little yacht king of the teens He's 20 years old now. He ain't no This team. album was, t- was a tough listen for me. How did you feel about Little Boat 2, though? I couldn't think about this in a vacuum. I have to think about it when I think about the rest of his music. Okay. Teenage Emotions, his debut album that we talked about last year, mm-hmm. was not good at all. Very singy, but also just quite poor. There just wasn't a lot there that was, that was good. Yachty actually talked about that leading up to this album, and he was basically saying that it's, it's a weird comparison, but in the principle makes sense. He was like, what if Kanye released 808s as his second album? It's just such a tonal shift that it just throws your fans off. And I actually think that kind of makes sense where he went from the debut Little Boat Project, where One Night in Minnesota, his first hits are from. Then he released Teenage Emotion, which is so out there, so different. And I get that. Then he released Little Boat 2, where he just kind of doubles down on the rap. It's basically a straight trap. He really is buying into his... Uh, Quality control label Bonafide. It's Migos influence. And I think it's fine. I think there's some decent songs on there. But it's still missing the natural earworm talent that Yachty is good at. Yachty is good at melodic shit. He just doesn't do that on this. He's just making basic trap. And we don't want Yachty to do that because that's not why we listen to Yachty. Broccoli is not one of those songs. Neither is I Spy or his right. first hits, you know? I mean, Little Boat had deep cuts. Little Boat 2... I mean, I think NBA Youngboat with NBA Youngboy, I think that song's actually a banger. Mm-hmm. But I mean, overall, there's some good features on here, some good moments from Yachty, but it's just not quite what we need him to do. It, it was almost like a, he over course corrected. Yeah, the whole thing to me, basically, so I was listening to this in the car as I was driving somewhere, and usually in the cars where I just appreciate the sound of an album and I'm like bumping around, some of the songs got me moving a little bit, like my shoulders you know, going up and down, my head bobbing with the beat, but most of all... Every time I tuned into the lyrics, it basically just, oh, I'm rich and you're you're a broke boy and that that's why you yeah. suck and I'm awesome. And I was like, if every single song is like that on an album, I just, man, mm-hmm. I, I can't. And like, I, I get it. he's 20 and I think 
He probably doesn't have a ton to say right now because he hasn't had a lot of life experience. But damn, I guess I was hoping for something a little bit more inventive. And like you said, he pretty much went straight trap. And it's disappointing to me. He's definitely still finding what he needs to do. It's got to be mm-hmm. definitely not teenage emotions. That was too far. No. But then going all the way to where we are now with Little Boat 2 is too far in the other direction. We need something in the middle. I think he can get there. I'm not out on Yachty. I, I mean, I'm not saying this is not a good mixtape. It's not. It's fine. It's okay. You can put some songs on. I think he'll get there because, I mean, heck, he made this tonal shift. He's got a lot of lot of support. Mm-hmm. And he's still got a lot of this dude and do better numbers than Teenage Emotions, which is a good sign. Teenage Emotions, fucking Uzi and X and A Boogie, they like doubled his sales with their first album. So Yachty was in a kind of a rough spot where he was more famous than he was commercially viable musically. But I think that's changed a little bit. So now he just needs to kind of course correct a little bit more with his music. But yeah, a little bow too in the meantime, not too good. Yeah, check out our, our playlist. The only song from this that maybe would make it would be the, the one with, what was his name? NBA? <laughs> yeah. NBA Youngboy was his name. But then the NBA was like, nah, you can't call yourself that. So he's now he's young boy never broke again. He was probably going to be an XSL freshman, but now he's, he just got arrested. So he probably ain't making that cover. <laughs> But yeah, I think that song's really good. Yeah, so I think either that song or the one, uh, or TWM, would be the only two songs from this album that will probably make our nostalgia best of list. TWM is probably the, the strongest Yachty performance mm-hmm. lyrically on this, and just spit it flow right. in general. Speaking of, of people that have been making albums, albums that got a lot of recognition, your boy Childish Gambino announced he's going on a, a pretty short U.S. tour. And we tried to yep. get tickets, and we were unsuccessful. But at least we have Atlanta to get our Do- our Donald Glover fill right now. We didn't talk That's about right. the premiere last week because we were previewing the Oscars. Alligator Man dropped two Thursdays ago now. Last Thursday, I can't remember what was, what was the name of, of this episode. Do you remember? But anyways, Atlanta Season 2 is back. And gotta be honest, Alligator Man was fucking hilarious. And the second episode, not I, I felt like wasn't as strong, but I felt like it was a lot of like setting things right. up. Of course. Sporting Waves is the title. Atlanta season two. I'm just glad it's back. What was your take on the first two episodes? Were you surprised by anything that you saw? Didn't expect to see Cat Williams in uh, yeah. Alligator Man. <laughs> also, he was pretty good. He was kind of playing a version of himself. He had a lot of legal issues in what, 2016. That was fucking hilarious. It's just great to be back in that world because that world is so unique and rich and unlike anything else on TV. All the things we always say said about season one, but it's true. I mean, right off the bat, I didn't even catch this at first, but the whole Florida man thing with Darius, mm. he's he's like an alt-right Johnny Appleseed. And I was like, oh, yeah. wait, they're just riffing on the Florida man news headline. It's fucking genius. Yeah, so fucking smart, dude. So fucking smart. Yeah, that was fucking great. I also... Just like the way that this show sets up moments in this are fantastic. Like the thing with the alligator, the whole like running joke, <laughs> you know, where they're like, that's the alligator man. And they're like, what are you talking about? It's like, he's got an alligator. Does he really have an alligator? Yeah. <laughs> but then he asks, are, are you friendly with it? And he's like, no. Like, of course not. <laughs> you know, like, why would anyone be friendly with an alligator? Can anyone even be? It's just so funny. And then that moment where you finally see the alligator after uh, after Cat Williams gives gives his best performance I can remember in a long time, that alligator walking out with that song in the background, I was just like, damn, this show is, is masterful at, at times. Also, the thing we're, we're not even talking about is probably the most memorable scene is the opening from Alligator Man. That kind of sets up the, the theme of the season. Can you talk a little bit, little bit about Robin season? 
<laughs> well, yeah, I mean, so Robin season is this time of year in Atlanta, around Christmas time, where there's more uh, robberies, more more crime like that, because mm-hmm. people got to eat, people got to buy them gifts and shit. Uh, that's the concept anyway. Then you see these two dudes play FIFA. Next thing you know, they want to get some food. They're blasting take case the race at the drive through and then they go and rob the fucking fast food. Like, that, that was a great scene. Yeah. It was a phenomenal scene, and it seems to be the running through line for the season, because in the second episode, it begins with Paperboy being held up by his drug dealer, which I thought was also a really funny scene, the way the drug dealer was just like, yo, I'm going to pay you back, man. I'm really sorry about yeah, this. Like, I'm really sorry I do this, man. Yeah. <laughs> yo, child lock. Uh, yeah. Oh, that was great. It seems like Atlanta is moving more in a traditional TV show direction. I mean, the first season was so inventive. From like the, the talk show to just the way that you know it was almost Seinfeld esque in the lack of plot. How do you feel about this moving in a more maybe traditional TV show direction? Right. So we've only seen two episodes, but the, from the advanced reviews from the critics, they say that it it's more serialized, which kind of makes sense. They started laying the groundwork down for advancing Paperboy's, advancing Alfred's career in episode two, but it's also getting weirder. But I think the more serialization is probably good just because something people that can latch on to. Like you said, with season one, there's so many one-off episodes that were amazing. Mm-hmm. But it also, not a whole lot happens. Right. And I think we might be getting back to that original pitch or original selling point, Twin Peaks with rappers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's definitely what episode two felt like. I mean, all the different ways they riffed on the music industry in that episode I thought was excellent. But it also was advancing the plot in a way, which is great. Yeah, the whole, I guess it wasn't Spotify, but wherever that... that... Right. music thing was was hilarious uh, especially when they were asking paperboy to do the, the different takes for that playlist and <laughs> that's probably my, my favorite moment i'm not sure how i feel about the new friend introduced into the group I tracy remember what his name is tracy yeah i'm still yeah. like warming up and feeling him out him going to the interview though was pretty funny yo and he had them waves <laughs> <laughs> yeah for real but I, I don't know how, how if wearing your do-rag in the, the waiting room before you do this interview is a great idea also the the whole thing with urn and the gift cards felt a little out of place Let's come on like, urn you've, you've this is the first time you've held money on the show don't do the gift card scam man come right. on or at least do like half of your money not all of it you know sure put a hundred bucks on put 500 bucks on. i don't know come on dog <laughs> like four you're a princeton dropout you're smarter than that but I, I do give them credit for the callback to the dogs from the first season. Yeah, episode three. That was awesome. Definitely. like Getting payoffs like that is what makes shows like this so great. Is it ties a lot of this stuff together. Any expectations for the season moving forward or anything that you're hoping to see? Or Yeah, I'm interested to see what happens with Alfred just because multiple times in episode two, you could just see how annoyed he was with his fame. You know, whether it was seeing someone do an acoustic cover of his song, take an unwanted picture with him, put him in a text conversation, just all this stuff that he just doesn't want. But he also isn't making much money, if any, off his career. So I'm just really curious to see where they go with that because Brian Tyree Henry is probably the best actor on the show i think he's mm-hmm. definitely the most trained one i mean darius is a wild card so anything yeah. he does will be funny but yeah oh and we still haven't seen fucking van as, as, as he beats i'm actually interested to see like how robin season ties in with with the crew especially right. you know um obviously urn is broke after he spent all this money on that shit and i wonder if that's where it's kind of leading up to is him like becoming part of this in some way or them planning some of this because they're they're so broke i mean he has a daughter he does, that doesn't have a place to live at this point i'm also actually just really interested to see 
how much more creative Hiro Mirai can be in his directing and, and cinematography. I mean, that like we talked about that opening scene to the season was so wonderfully done and beautifully shot. It was kind of it's kind of like Heat in Atlanta, you know, like the movie Heat. Mm-hmm. Overall, I'm, there's a lot to look forward to, and Atlanta remains one of the, the best shows on TV right now. No doubt, yeah. So a lot lot to look forward to, as well as a lot of movies, which, why don't we talk about Red Sparrow? Because a lot of movies came out that we've wanted to see, and we got I got around to seeing two of them. I know, I think you saw like three or four this past weekend, but Red Sparrow was one that we both made it to. Yep. So our guy, Frankie Lawrence, directed this movie. It's something. It's got a, a Rotten Tomato score of 48 and a, an audience score of 57 on Rotten Tomatoes. I think that that's about right, honestly. It's it's a long movie, first of all. It felt very long. It's probably Jennifer Lawrence's best performance since Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah, that's my main takeaway about it, honestly. But overall, the movie just didn't hit any of the real marks for me, and I left kind of feeling confused. Yep, it was kind of like Atomic Blonde, where the narrative just wasn't as strong as its confusing nature made you think it would be so the length of the movie just isn't justified it's almost two and a half hours long it did not need to be that long also i think joel edgerton and jennifer lawrence they don't have the best chemistry it's fine but yeah i mean jennifer lawrence doing a more engaged performance i think is definitely great she's just kind of been picking bad roles or just been misused the past few years I think this is hopefully a good step in the right direction for making better choices. And yeah, I think the movie's fine. But yeah, it's too long. There's definitely some issues with it. I think Frank, Frankie Lawrence doesn't do a whole lot with the direction, but it could have been better. Yeah, I agree. You know, and one of the things that really made this movie pretty off-putting to me at points was just how brutal it was. Sexual violence. Sexual violence, but also some of the torture scenes were just like the one near near the end for on Joel Edgerton. I was like, yeah. I almost walked out of the theater because I was like, I can't be in here for this dude. I also, I think this movie pretty much relies on Lawrence carrying it. I think Edgerton's great, but without her, I can't imagine what this movie would have been like if they had gotten like a, a low level or even like a... I don't even know. Like I was gonna say Vikander, but I, th- I feel like Vikander could have killed it. But I can't really. She could have. Yeah, I'm not really sure who else. But someone with less less star power and less quality right. acting skills as her, this would have been a complete flop. And it was only four this past weekend. It's only grossed thirty one million. I have to imagine the budget for this movie was pretty big. Yeah, I think it was like sixty or so. So it's definitely been a disappointment. The only takeaway for me is that it was a solid turn from Jennifer. Let's see what she does next. Something, you know, you mentioned the lack of direction with Red Sparrow. We also saw Thoroughbreds this weekend, and our boy Corey Finley seems to have really put his stamp on, on this film. Talk to me about Thoroughbreds. What did you like? What didn't you like? Yeah, well, to that direction, I mean, he, I thought there was this great camera work throughout Thoroughbreds, which was so nice, whereas Red Sparrow just felt kind of blandly shot the way the 300 games Frankie Lauren shot were. Thoroughbreds definitely had a more art housey feel, but actually, I think the comparisons going around about this are really, really apt. It's like a Tarantino movie with Wes Anderson dialogue, Hmm. obviously being compared to like Heathers and The Shining and stuff like that. But I mean, it's a pretty simple concept. It's about two former best friends in their later high school years that reconnect and ultimately decide they're going to kill one of their stepdads but it's really about you know an emotional character versus an emotionless character i mean i thought the themes in this were awesome and it's just so witty and so much dry humor and i think olivia cook and anya taylor joy are electric on screen and so is anton yelkin r.i.p no i agree with pretty much everything you said when you talk about like the way it was shot it really makes that huge house 
that Lily lives in uh, with mm-hmm. Mark and her mom I feel like a tomb almost in a way like she's trapped in this huge space right. and she can like she can never get away from that sound of the rowing machine like this constant reminder I also felt like the way that Finley used the score in this which kind yes. of ranged from like African drums to like almost like Hitchcockian uh, strings was yeah, really great use. Uh, well yeah. done to the point where I don't know if this is necessarily like a very thrilling movie but i went with my girlfriend and she was like clutching my arm at points i mean there are some definitely some tense scenes but it like creates this feel of like this is a very like tense situation but yeah i think anya taylor joy and olivia cook are by far the two Mm -hmm. best parts of this movie they just were phenomenal on screen i'm so excited for them moving forward anya was in split last year and Olivia mm-hmm. Cooks in Ready Player One, so they've been in some some big movies right. the last two. Uh, yeah, so Annie Taylor Joy is in New Mutants, the X Men spinoff coming next year, and she was also in The Witch, that horror movie that did really well. So I think both of these two will get a lot of good roles moving forward. Yeah, and and like you said, this is Anton Yelchin's his last movie. He was great in it too, and also Paul Sparks, our guy from House of Cards, played a, a yeah. very convincing shitty person as a horrible stepdad i think he's officially graduated from that guy school uh, you know his yeah. name now guy he's in waco as well he's been getting a lot of work definitely a very strong performance i i don't think it will be a uh, a best of movie uh at the end of the year but definitely a memorable first performance uh, or first directorial debut for finley. i mean finley was a, a playwright so it was not like he was just some random guy but definitely a memorable unique feeling debut could you call it a coming out party for the two leads i, I think so because i mean livy cook was in bates motel but not a lot of people saw that and iron taylor joy has been in a lot of stuff i guess split was probably her first really big look where people really knew who she was but i mean i feel like everyone involved wins and i mean anton yelkin he showed a lot of range that uh, we didn't really see in green room or star trek it's such a damn shame that he, he was lost because he's obviously such a great talent the energy the feeling though, a lot to like in this movie i'm really happy i saw it the only like critique i have of it is i think they hinted at something deeper to this whether what it means about being like a psychopath or a sociopath or what it really means to be crazy maybe right um that it kind of misses the mark but for all the really good things it did to kind of knock it on not landing a, a huge question like that is a, a mm-hmm. small thing so overall really enjoyed it and uh, looking forward to more movies with anya and olivia and more from Corey finley as well hell yeah is there anything else that you wanted to get to before we we end for today i just want to shout out game night the comedy with Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams. It's funny. It's not a super tropey or predictable. And it really makes you miss Rachel McAdams in comedies. Obviously, Mean Girls and Wedding Crashers were a long time ago. But that's a, a great watch. Yeah, I'm really excited to check that one out. It's uh, probably at the top of my list right now. But I got to get to it before things like Isle of Dogs come out and, and things like that. Because that's probably the movie I'm most excited for. I think Wes Anderson's going to kill it. Of course, yeah. That's So two weeks from now, you got Pacific Rim 2 and Isle of Dogs. This weekend, we have Tomb Raider. Can Vikander lift the video game curse? Hopefully she can. She looks like she's going to at least give it a good try. She's she's the queen after all. For Dave and myself, please go to Twitter at NostalgiaPod, at Martin Swagger, at Sheeny World Peace. Give us your thoughts on anything we talked about. Give us your thoughts on uh, the little Yachty album or on Thoroughbreds, or even if you want to talk about Atlanta Season 2, we're here for it. Hit us up. Give us a rating and review on iTunes. Subscribe to the pod. Interact with us on the videos. We're, we're here to talk to you about any of our takes. Uh, we appreciate you, and we'll see you next week. Peace out. Yeah.